There are sites out there that spend a lot of money to rank number one on Google all the time. Yeah. And are people loyal to that site, or they just happen to be just a one-off search? And well, I think they're making money off of it at the I, end of the day. I have no doubt that it's, that's, <laughs> right? that's profitable. But it's, it's a tough thing to compete in. What I'd rather compete in a market where people will share a viral deal with their friends because it's a great deal, yeah. or a great post, or a great trip report. Hey, are you on the hunt for a great deal? Do you love to travel but hate breaking the bank? Then you're in for a treat. In this episode, we're speaking with the founder of Dan's Deals, Dan Elif, and his brother, JJ. If you don't know, Dan's Deals is a website that has helped millions of people save big on everything from flights to everyday purchases. What, what? With their seemingly insider-ish knowledge and savvy deal-finding techniques, Dan's Deals has become a go-to resource for anyone looking to maximize their money and time. In this interview, we sat down with them to explore the story behind the site's creation, the genius behind Dan's Deals, finding those amazing deals, and how they can help you get the most out of your money. So, whether you've traveled the world or are simply looking to stretch your dollars, board our newest episode and let's fly through the dan's deals journey oh my gosh that's so nerdy okay here's the episode being a jew awesome managing personal finances not so awesome welcome to kosher money welcome to a special episode of kosher money this has been a long time coming it developed over i think 48 hours and we're here, Dan and JJ of Dan's Deals. Do you want to say which one's Dan, or should we not reveal? <laughs> Secret information. <laughs> okay. I'm, the, I'm the older brother, I'm Dan. Dan, okay, and JJ's the younger brother, but there are other brothers, right? Six of us. Six boys, any girls? No girls. No boys, okay, no girls. So I am one of four boys, so I can relate, but you're not one after the other, right? There's no. Correct. There's one in between us, and then there's uh, three, three more younger than JJ. And they're the less successful. No, okay. So <laughs> the other one, they're doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second one's a doctor, and the fourth one is in. Uh, the fifth one's in medical school, and the next one just got accepted to Columbia Law School. So they, yeah, they're really. Yeah, I feel bad. They're struggling. You have to pay their bills. Yeah. Um, okay, so were you guys when Dan's deal started? Were you together on this? It's not called JJ's deal. So, um, <laughs> how or, old were you when Dan's deal started? 13? Uh, yeah, sounds about right. 13. What's, what's the age gap? I am six years older than JJ. Six years older. Okay, so you were, I suppose, 19 I when started Dan's Deals on my 20th birthday. Cool. So cool. that was on Black Friday in 2004. 2004. Okay, so you're not like 1991, the internet just started, <laughs> you got this massive computer in a back room in Cleveland. No, not quite. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay, cool. Let's take it back even further entrepreneur spirit each of you oh, we'll start with dan was that something that you had this itch for what, what, what was your uh business upbringing yeah absolutely i guess i always wanted to learn how to make my own money and, and have my own spending money so when i was in elementary school i got into ebay and this, this was actually was the beginning of the internet this is when ebay just started and people there was no paypal people would pay for items by taking out a money order and sending it in the mail and waiting for the seller to cash that money order and then send them the item. And the most popular item on eBay was Beanie Babies. They, what, I late would, 90s? Yeah, we're talking like, I must have been 12, so probably 96, something like that, mid 90s. 
I would buy these Beanie Babies from Nordstrom. Well, I'd be in Shoal with my father. I'd call on the rotary dial phone in the back of Shoal and call Nordstrom and see if they got any new Beanie Babies in that day. And then they wouldn't tell you what they got in, but you'd go there and there'd be a rush of people running in there and you'd buy them and they had to sell them contractually for $5 a piece. Mm. And then the next week they would retire these Beanie Babies and they'd be worth $500. So I would put them on eBay. They were so limited, the releases, that we found out which doors to the mall would open first. And the guards knew us. And it was limited to one per person. So it was a family affair. We would all go to get our one Beanie Baby that that Dan is then flipping as a 12-year-old on eBay. I was in charge of listing them on eBay. (laughs) And there's definitely no way the other side of the the buyer of the transaction knew that they were sending a 12-year-old kid a $500 money order for this stuffed animal. But that was that, that was we paid five dollars for a week yeah, earlier. That, that was unbelievable. So money orders, PayPal doesn't even exist. I remember when PayPal started and eBay, it was like two separate sites, and you had to send the money. Correct. But the money order, your parents knew that you were you were making. Oh, they loved it. Cash. They they encouraged it. They Absolutely. were actually coming to the mall with you and yeah. Oh yeah, they yeah. drove us. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely, yeah, we didn't. Absolutely, so, we went on a family vacation to Puerto Rico with the money. From Beanie Babies. I was I was in Yeshiva. I actually didn't go on this vacation yeah, right. to Puerto Rico. <laughs> and dad's like, well, we made like what was like twenty five grand. So let's go to Puerto Rico with the family. I mean, to be fair, have you seen Yeshiva tuition these days? I mean, that's uh... right. You can pay for <laughs> a half vacation. a tuition on the Beanie Baby money. Okay, so twelve year old pulled in about twenty five k. Things are good. First blog post. How, how did that develop into a site called Dan's Deals? So along the way, I was in Yeshiva and. So, for example, the whole yeshiva in Los Angeles, where I was in base Madrash, would fly into New York for Yudshvat for the previous Labajar Rebbe's yard site. And everyone needed tickets, and tickets were expensive. So I would call all the airlines, and I'd negotiate group rates. And so I got the entire yeshiva flights from L.A. to New York at half price, and I was able to put it, pull it on, on one of my parents' credit cards or like I actually opened my first credit card at that point to get all the miles from that. And then people were just giving me checks for the flights and they were thrilled because I was getting them for half the price. And then I think I got a free ticket for every 40 tickets that I sold on those flights. Yeah. So that was uh, kind of where I started getting into the whole mileage game. So at that point, was it a website? Like, did No, there was nothing then. Then uh, I was still, you know, just being entrepreneurial, hustling. hustling, opening up corporate accounts with Sprint when cell phones were just coming out and rented out 18 lines to different guys in Yeshiva. While I was involved on eBay, I think it was probably when I first got into the mileage thing because eBay had this program called Anything Points. The buyer was able to get miles for purchasing things. So I think I wound up doing some dummy purchases between Yourself. my father and myself selling <laughs> website domain names for $50,000 and we'd pass the money back and forth to generate millions of these anything points, which were transferable into Cathay Pacific miles. <laughs> so so he became was... a, usually people get miles from credit cards, right? right? So he became a mileage millionaire under 18. I yeah. don't know if many people have done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, I, I haven't. <laughs> Everyone else hasn't, but that's yeah. kind of cool. So, so mileage, right. So like if you said, hey, guess my career trajectory, I'd be like, Oh, you were computer savvy and you, you started with a blog and you, know, but you clearly had this itch and this hunger. Definitely had an itch. Yeah. So we started it. I mean, it was 2004. I was in yeshiva in Brazil and the Chabad yeshiva system. You go to high school for years, you go to base marriage for a few years. 
and then you're sent on Bachar Shlichus to a yeshiva somewhere in the world. Mm. And so I was sent to Brazil for the year, where basically you mentor students and you learn with students. And I was spending the year in Sao Paulo. The yeshiva had absolutely no money whatsoever. And I mean, didn't even have toilet paper or soap in the bathrooms. It was, it was bad. And so on Black Friday, on November 26, 2004, I found a deal for free toilet paper and the light bulb went off like, hey, Jews like free stuff, right? I should be writing about, well, first of all, my mileage escapades, but also just how to get free stuff and good deals. And that's kind of how this became, it became a hodgepodge of things that I was passionate about, which is getting a good deal, traveling the world for free. And so when I saw this free toilet paper, it was just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to start a blog and write about this stuff. I was missing out on all the Black Friday deals back in the U.S. Uh At that time, Black Friday was very much brick and mortar. People were lining uh-huh. up at Best Buy and there'd be lines around the corners. And that was right when it was beginning to shift to being an online shopping holiday. They were giving away free cell phones at Best Buy back then. I mean, the reason why there's Cyber Monday was because Black Friday was thought to be this brick and mortar holiday. Yeah. And then after that, after the weekend, you do your shopping online on Monday. And so, yeah, little known tidbit, I was born on... Cyber Monday. Of course you were. <laughs> I mean, obviously, 1984 wasn't called Cyber Monday, but it was the Monday after. It was the Monday after Black Friday, which would mean Cyber yeah. Monday. Pre- I mean, the this ast- was written in the stars. Yeah, yeah, astrologies, uh, right, right up in there. So, blogs did they, did they exist when when you were taking advantage of that free toilet paper deal back in Brazil in '04? Were there other blogs that you saw and, and you said, hey, I can do something similar and better? Or that idea of deals related blogs didn't actually exist? No, I don't. I mean, I don't think it existed at that point. I mean, there were very. That blogspot.com is where it started. Right. Yeah, blogging. And that was just becoming. I mean, the, the concept of the, the blog, concept, yeah. it was new. It was still it was, new at that It was just growing then. What Dan's deal started on Blogspot? It, it was C Town Bucher. C Town is an oh, abbreviation right. for I Cleveland. So okay. com. Correct. Okay. It, did, it didn't become Dan's Deals until, I mean, I had always wanted it to be Dan's Deals. It's, it's alliterative and it's fun. Right. But that wasn't until 2007. Because I had, somebody owned it. Somebody owned that Dan's Deals name. It wasn't a blog per se, but it was, it was some deal site. Yeah, it was. It wasn't, I don't know if it was active. Not really. The guy had a few posts. I don't think it had been anything. It's on archive. Uh, yeah, I don't think it had anything there. And you so, paid like six million in credit card points for the URL. I, I, I tried. I, I emailed. I emailed the guy. I tried. Never got a response from him. Yeah. And then I just set an alert to let me know when it expired, and it expired, and I got it from GoDaddy for eight ninety five. So so far, from what I get from Dan, he's a quiet, unassuming, introverted genius <laughs> who's also proactive, right? Like yeah. if you see an opportunity, you go after it. I don't and miss it. Well, you don't miss it. JJ, is that a good synopsis? I think don't miss it is the understatement of the year. Because when I mentioned before, Best Buy was giving out like free phones Black Friday right. back in the day. Like he's coming home with 30 phones from the store on Black Friday. Right. Well, I had to have <laughs> phones for all my corporate account customers in Yeshiva. But yeah, in Yeshiva, I'd, I'd, I'd be lining up at Best Buy to get all the free phones and coming back <laughs> shopping carts full of free phones. But It's right, like there's free. this opportunity out yeah. there, right? Like they're giving free miles on Cathay for you well, know, back selling then it stuff. Was and it's like, how can I make this the best it could be? How can I really turn this into something incredible? 
And I feel like that's what the site but is also. at no cost, though, right? Like, you didn't have to invest capital slash money. There was money. some capital. Like, in those days, the Black Friday deals, they used to give away everything for free after mail and rebate. And they, the hope was that you would forget to send in the mail and rebate. And I, right. I mean, obviously, I made sure I crossed the T's weren't and dotted the I's. and to the Ohio, like, attorney general at one point? Oh, it's happened. doors weren't, like, honoring the rebates. Oh, really? Like, Absolutely. they love just not, they love offering rebate programs. And then they just never pay it. Right. And then it's like a two-step process now because you have to send them the rebate and then you have to fight for getting the rebate like uh -huh. a year later, which yeah, the terms were, let them pay there it There were stores like CompUSA and there were stores that no longer exist that definitely thrived on people not sending in the rebate or just not honoring it because of some term. And yeah, if you wrote to your state's attorney general, uh -huh. then they'd be on top of it. And in general, that's good advice for anything because oh it gosh. still works to this day. Where people don't realize how good government intervention could actually be in some sure. cases. Yeah, sure. That's that, that's definitely helpful. Okay, so you started as Seatown Bacher. You got an email saying Dan's Deals URL is available. You took that over, but the first tell me about the first few years of the site. Yeah. Um, how many readers did you have? I, how I, were you making money? I didn't try to monetize it for the first few years. It mm -hmm. was purely a pursuit of passion for the first few years where I just, well, in, in Brazil, I just wanted to stay in touch with people and it snowballed from there. So people just started reading it, complete word of mouth. I mean, this is pre-social media and just grew organically, but it wasn't monetized. I went to business school after I finished in Brazil, I, I studied Smicha in Los Angeles at Arachan and Chabad. And Still single at this point? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I went to business school uh, back in Cleveland. And so while I was in business school, the professors there, you know, challenged us to create a business. I'm like, well, I, this could be a business. I, I mean, I, I have something. Let's uh, see what I could do with it. And the challenge is how to monetize it. But I think that's part of the reason why it's successful is I didn't start it just to make money on it. I started because I was passionate about it and it just grew organically for a couple of years without worrying about monetizing it. And obviously I had the luxury of being single. So that right. wasn't a concern at that point. Do you think if from day one, the professor said, you have to make money from this day one, would it have turned out a bit differently? You think? Yeah, probably. I don't think anybody thought it made sense for me to write about miles and travel and button down white shirt deals and to yeah, put no. that together there's no the logic. idea of monetizing that didn't really exist there, there's no logic time. to writing about all of these hodgepodge of things if you have a business plan it seems awful like it's very incongruous but it worked so it's just things that i was passionate about and you worry later about monetizing it but that didn't that didn't need to be the day one concern i remember you had offers back in the day people wanting to go into business with you yeah. And it was just like, you're enjoying this. You're enjoying, you know, enjoying right. the website. I mean, the Hashkacha practice of how I was in Brazil in the first place is pretty awesome. Well, you went there for Shlichus, right? Yeah, but... Just for the, the record, Hashkacha Pratis is divine providence that God leads everything in our life to the right direction. Yeah, right, to, to think go. you only have Jewish viewers um, <laughs> and readers, right? There's going to be people piling on from all corners of the world, right? I'm oh, saying absolutely. now, right? Oh, yeah. It's not just no. a Jewish audience that you're... No, everyone coming on our site. That's crazy. So you're so in Brazil. When they told us I was going to Brazil, yeah. they also mentioned that the Rosh Hashiva's father had been murdered in that neighborhood in Brazil the year beforehand. And my parents uh -huh. said, you're not going to Brazil. And I, I really wanted to go. And they're, they're like, no. And, and I said, well, let's... Um, this is going to sound pretty super Chabad over here. But I said, let's, let's write a letter to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Now, this was 2004. The Lubavitcher Rebbe has passed away 10 years before that. 
Um, but we had previously, my parents had previously, in 1995, my mother was pregnant with um, the fourth, fourth of us, yeah. And before then, you'd write to the Rebbe for a bracha. And the Rebbe died the year before, so they went to our, our local Rebbe, Rebbe Chaikin in Cleveland. And they asked him, you know, we're looking for advice here. The, the OB is saying that we can induce to have the baby now in Cholomite Pesach, or we can wait. And so we have this option. We're not sure what to do. And Rebbe Chaikin said, well, what some people are doing, they could fax a letter into the Rebbe's Ohel. Or... This was less than a year after Gimel Tamas, which is when the Rebbe passed. Rebbe so passed this is yeah. very fresh still, yeah. Yeah. And I said, another option is that some people are doing is they're, they're, after, they're, after they fax this letter into the Rebbe's Ohel to be put uh, at his graveside, they are putting a letter into one of the Rebbe's books of letters, his Igris Kodesh. He has dozens of volumes of correspondence with his followers. And some people are putting a letter in there and looking, at, looking for inspiration for what the Rebbe told that person. And I think I mentioned this to you before. Yeah, I remember that, that. it was called, the technical term for it is bibliomancy. And they say the first origin of it was Mordechai in the Purim story. When the boys were coming home from Cheder, he asked them what they learned that day, looking for kind of inspiration for like what the current situation is and where it's headed. So this is a very similar thing, looking to the Rebbe's previous guidance for guidance in your own personal situation and seeing if there's anything that could be applied. Someone had written to the Rebbe about publishing their correspondence with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said, I don't know what you're waiting for. You should do this right now. Like, why hasn't this book been published yet? <laughs> so, and the question was, should they induce or not? And it was like, why well, hasn't been done yet, right? So, so they, <laughs> they, they decide to induce right away in Cholamad Pesach. They're waiting, hour and hour goes by, and they're like, this is a mistake. You know, they're going to have to, we're gonna, they broke the water. We're going to have to go to a C-section if this doesn't start progressing. And at the 11th hour, the baby starts coming out. And the doctor's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And then the umbilical cord artery ruptures and there's blood that covers the entire room and they're working furiously and they, they managed to save both my mother's life and the, my brother's life. But the doctor had never seen anything like this before and he did his research and he's, he said that from what I found, the only time this has been seen in utero with an ultrasound and it ruptured in utero and the baby didn't make it. And if we ever see this, you should induce to, as soon as the baby's viable, mm. to bring to deliver the baby. Even since then, I've looked it up. It's called an umbilical aneurysm. And yeah. it's only happened like five or six it's, times it's, since it's very then. Rare. And like the babies don't survive because they don't detect this before. And they go to wow. term and the babies. And the mother's also at risk. So it's wow. really, so my, my really parents, like... So I knew I had an, an ace in the hole here in that I could say, well, let's ask the Rebbe for some advice here. So we did the same thing again. We wrote to the Rebbe Zohel and, and we put a letter in just a random volume of Igris Kodesh. And the answer was, was shocking that we got back. The Rebbe said, in regard to your question about going to Brazil, you should go. You should have success. <laughs> what year is this? This is, this is 2004. Four. Where's the answer coming from? It's a random letter in Igris Kodesh. There's, dozens There's like 40-some of... volumes okay. with hundreds of pages of just correspondence that the Rebbe had throughout his with lifetime random people. that people published once so the Rebbe I wrote to them. put this oh, letter okay. that I had faxed into the Rebbe Zohel into a letter of Igris Kodesh and asked the Rebbe for advice. And the advice was in regarding to someone else who had asked about okay. going to Brazil. Okay. Yeah, this is the letter that when you open the book, it opened okay. to. You should go. You should, you should learn smicha. You should find a parnasa, And you should find a shidduch. And my parents are, are there learning that letter with me, which had happened completely by happenstance, by Ashkacha Pratis. And they're like, well, I guess we're letting you go to Brazil. <laughs> that is crazy. And then all three of those things came around through going to Brazil. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. I, I started learning Smeich there. I got tested by Irvay uh, Shemayenda and Rufay Goshak in Argentina while I was there on, on the first part. 
And then I'm, uh, I'm going to acquire RabbiDansdales.com. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I, I don't think people know that you have smicha. That's yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's how I got smicha, and I uh, started Dan's deals. That's the Parnassa aspect, and then the Shidduch aspect. That's another story. Wow. Okay. So before all that, you were single. So your monthly expenses weren't high, right? I'm sure if you needed money, you can always go to your parents. And at that point, I had started so many side hustles and businesses. Yeah, there wasn't the concern for money wasn't wasn't great at that point. Gotcha. But our parents were always supportive of any of our ventures that we yeah, wanted absolutely. to go out to. Apparently they drove you to the mall for the yeah. <laughs> It doesn't get any be- uh, bigger and better than that. 100%. Okay, so you have this website, Dan's Deals. It's operating in a blog format. Are you the only one in this operation to start? Are you the one posting the deals? Yeah. Are you doing this daily? What's the ebb and flow of all of it? Yeah, it was just a one-man band for the first decade almost a decade oh wow so if you if you took a day off the the site took a day off site took a day off exactly i don't i don't think i took a day off for (laughs) 10 years right (laughs) and at what point did you start amassing non-jewish readers was that instantly or it took time to it took time definitely our focus is still the jewish market I mean, the, the site really, probably the first deal where it really took off was when LL had the $330 tickets to Israel. Is that deal still alive? <laughs> can I, can, by the way, people probably annoy you all the time. Like they see you in the street, they're like, hey, I need to fly. I want to go to Israel. And you just like want to just punch them in the face, right? <laughs> no, no, no. No, yeah, he does, JJ, right? <laughs> I mean, that is that a part of your business, consulting or not even no i mean we've had a lot of requests to open like a travel agency and stuff like that but the fact that we don't have to deal with customer service is one of my favorite parts of the job it's like we get to hear feedback and you know know what people like but but there's so many there's so many travel agencies that have spawned off things that we've written about i mean we don't need to do everything. There's there's right. plenty of people that are that are doing those things that have gotten into those things that have opened up, you know, concierge travel agencies based on, you know, Dan's Deal's principles. Especially That's the, cool. the forums that we have. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten dozens of emails or a hundred emails from people like thank you i make my living for my entire family oh wow from what you've taught us and that's beautiful and that's amazing that's know? really cool to see yeah. that it's really special. people are making parnasi you think just dan's deals you know it's a, yeah. it's, it's a single family but you've now helped hundreds of families make a living if you created a travel agency do you think you could do it successfully like assuming you took on the customer service do you think that you guys can do a good job at that or you're nervous because it's an entirely separate business i spend too much time doing research i i I don't think it would be a financial success when i'm looking for the best deal you know for myself or for my close family i spend so much time trying to make sure i'm getting the absolute best deal that i don't know that it would be financially viable to do that yeah it's like a double-edged sword one we're like we spend so much time investing in our trips. Like when we plan trips, we both make these amazing itineraries laid out with like, what are our goals for the trip? What are we doing? And then like, what are sub goals on each day that we could do if there's time for it, right? Okay. And then the other side of that, so that's so much time invested because we like to do things right, you know, and the best way we could. And then on the other hand, like we hate charging people like money. We like giving things for free. Cool. You know, like people always are like, why don't you open like a, a paid membership and stuff? Like, no, like we don't want to do that. You know, we want to make everything that we have to offer accessible to everyone. Uh-huh. One of the most common requests is not so much a travel agency, but an agency that takes people's personal miles that they have. Because so many people amass miles. 
and just don't know how to use it, mm. right? And we do posts on what you could do, and but it's it's very fluid. What's available, what you know, and and the programs change all the time. And so people would l always request us to open some company that books for people with their own miles. It, it exists out there. It They're does not exist very out good. There. Because to be good, you need to spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah. So I spend so much time, if I'm piecing together around the world trip, it takes so much time and effort that it, nobody could have market that as a business. It would just be too expensive. But you can release that itinerary, do you? Yeah, yeah. Especially on the Dan's Deals forums we where we crowdsource itineraries. Like I went to South Africa and Zimbabwe and Zambia and Botswana. Who hasn't? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was there twice last week. But yeah, you had the resort but the ability, to yourself, right? In a... Yeah, we had in, in the Kruger National Park, we had, we had King's Camp to ourselves. We, we get there and they're like, well, here's the keys to the resort. There's nobody else here. It's the middle of COVID. This is like one of the most high-end resorts in South Africa, period, and like the best game reserve. And oh they have gosh. a kosher kitchen and kosher chef and we had a kosher mushkiach there and everything was there just for the two of us. You were like the first people that went post-COVID or something, right? They like just opened? Yeah, they had just reopened. Yeah. So, but I mean, we crowdsource these itineraries on the Dan's Deals forums and we'll write about them and people critique them. And that's really an awesome way to go about it. And there's so much great free advice there on the forums. Right. Okay. Another business idea, Dan's Deals Halamod Excursions, where <laughs> you, you know, they have all these safaris or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, huge moneymaker, crazy. Okay. So you have these forums, you have this blog. I feel like the blog though, is that old school 2007 feel craigslist initial <laughs> model is that just because it works do you have any interest one day in saying uh, i want this to look super 2023 what's the what's the thought about that so it was 2004 to 2016 the same format and we worked with a ddf for uh suave and we redid the websites actually DDF is the dan's deals, deals form. form exactly okay. um the people on there called ddfers so we actually redid the site totally. Uh -huh. um, and it is a lot more modern than it was back in the day. And we had really good. It was bad. I don't know if you remember, but blog posts used to be that the whole post was on the site and you never opened up a post. It was just okay. all the posts were all listed straight down in a list. I'm in love with long form posts and trip reports. So you'd have to scroll by a whole lot to get to the next post. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it is updated in that respect. I am working on an app that hopefully is going to be a little more modern and okay. user friendly. But as for the site itself, it works. It works. So it does work. I remember in 09 when Twitter came out, people would get text alerts to their yeah. phone. I think that Twitter stopped the texting feature. Was yeah. that a hit to your, you know, or how people yeah. consumed? But you're on WhatsApp now, right? Yeah, we're on WhatsApp. But there's definitely a market that doesn't have smartphones and we do want to try to reach them. Yeah. Mm. So we did find another SMS solution that'll send people a text message. And then I guess if it's a good enough deal, they, they find a computer. I don't know what someone without a smartphone does with that information, but they we don't have get deals. They pay full thousands price. of <laughs> subscribers that sign up for these alerts on their on their right. on their Kosher phone, right? How big is the team right now? Is it just JJ and Dan? Two of us, and, and uh, Dan's wife started doing uh, emails. I did all the advertising for ten years. People and, advertising uh, on on Dan's deals, and then my yeah. wife Mimi took that over around last November. Yeah, right. And that right frees you up to do more business development. Yeah, it frees me up in general. Recently, I started doing a lot more um, on social media, like Instagram, TikTok okay. type stuff, videos, um, which I really enjoy. And it's a really nice creative outlet that That's I get awesome. to do. That's awesome. So I just started that, and 
yeah, I mean, just the advertising is a full-time job. People love running ads on dance deals because everyone is like so super engaged on the site to make a purchase. So are you running banner ads or it's when you say ads, it's like posts. It's posts. Yeah. So someone, a business will pay you X dollars to place a post promoting their upcoming concert or exactly. something like that. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. What is the, the revenue buckets look like? You have advertising money. Mm-hmm. commission right if someone let's say bounces off to amazon makes a purchase sure. like affiliate links affiliate links but that's different than referrals right or is that the, the same, same bucket right the same credit card or, so or less, yeah. so commission slash referrals and advertising so mm-hmm. you said there's no premium subscriptions no. is there any other advertising there's like google ads on the site like banners you know oh banner ads up there but that's a small percentage of yeah, right. Okay. It all helps. Do you think that if you were to start something like this in 2023, you could be successful or you really were at, you know, the early stages of blogging and you were able to build an audience when it was a bit quieter, there wasn't any social media. Do you think if there's like a hungry 17-year-old listening now, you would say, "Hey, create an audience from blogging or that ship has sailed?" Right. I mean, obviously no business is like asking competition, like, please come compete with us. Right. We want you to post our deals. You yeah, know? no, no, not even <laughs> in deals, not even in deals, but like the idea of creating an audience through blogging and, and building a community. Of yeah, that. I, I think what Dan was touching on earlier, and I think really comes through still today on the site is just the passion that we have in our own lives with deals and travel and credit cards and whatever else it is like uh advocacy for for people that fly right on airlines and and so many other things that just interest us that comes through on our blog and i think anyone that's super passionate about something definitely could have a niche to grow something yeah i agree if if you're just looking just to make a quick buck it's not gonna it's not gonna work people will see through it and see if it's something that you're really interested in, if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's something that you're good at. Yeah. And if you are passionate about something, then yeah, I think it's definitely possible to start a blog or start a start a community and, and, and do that. Right. You know, it would probably be like you said, more video format and Yeah, I don't know if I'd start with blog nowadays. Right, I'd probably right. start on TikTok or, or Instagram. Instagram channel. That seems to be where it's going. I'm yeah. st- I'm still old school. I, I I leave that to JJ to figure <laughs> right. out. But you got to pivot, right? Every every few years when something comes out, you, you had to sign up for Facebook. You had yeah. to be on Twitter. You got to go to WhatsApp. That's where people are. You got to start creating short form video exactly. content. Otherwise, I, I was just telling Dan, like yeah. me opening like TikTok and starting to post on Instagram. That's like a 10 year goal plan because like 18 year olds now, they are not reading blog posts. It could mm. be a two minute blog post, it could be one of our 30 minute like in-depth explanation, like, like amazing stuff. They're just never going to read that. If it's not, I call it the co melon generation mm. because they need bright colors they need loud words in their face and they need it to change every five seconds mm. and if you don't have that available you're going to lose the future generations i found that my habits have changed similarly right i used yeah. to read more blog posts but now i'm watching a lot more video right that that's not just where the new generation's gone but i think the the people in their 30s 40s and 50s are also consuming a lot more right short form video so that makes sense how many readers would you say you're, you're getting monthly at least to the blog like four million or so yeah yeah, yeah four million yeah, sure yeah i mean yeah <laughs> who doesn't right is that growing do you see the blog is still a, a a destination or you need to start diversifying where you're releasing content because blogs and and just readership is is decreasing i came on dan's deals about nine years ago and the one thing that i'll say about dan is he 
doesn't run it so much as a business. I feel like he's very much in the old school mindset of, I love doing this. I want to share this with people. And like, we've never done like SEO optimization and like Google ads or whatever. Like we've never like done anything like that per se to pivot because I feel like it's your baby, right? I also think the word of mouth traffic is more valuable than a one-off Google search. Ultimately. There are sites out there that spend a lot of money to rank number one in Google all the time. Yeah. But are people loyal to that site or they just happen to be just a one-off search? And well, they're... I think they're making money off of it. I, I have no doubt that, it, that it's, <laughs> right? it's profitable. But it's, it's a tough thing to compete in. What I'd rather compete in a market where people will share a viral deal with their friends because it's a great deal yeah. or a great post or a great trip report. I think it has a very family feel to it, you know, and that's kind of how we focused on growth. Some people in business operations would be like, you can do both, right? You could treat it like your baby, but someone... JJ wearing the business hat could build out a whole Google slash SEO operation to it. But I, I think at some point when you are making enough money that trying to go after more money is not necessarily of interest to either of you because you're enjoying what you're doing. It's a profitable venture. And, you know, I'm sure if someone came and said, hey, I want to purchase the site for for a billion dollars, making up a number, you might say, hey, yeah, I enjoy what I'm doing, but that's an extremely profitable offer but that's really not what you know it's right now it's a cash cow right and you're enjoying what you're doing i'm sure if you stopped enjoying it or it stopped making money you would have to pivot in in some way has anyone ever reached out like from private equity or things of that nature because i would imagine this can be very valuable to an e-commerce site that is pushing deals and that's not something you were willing to entertain or just the numbers weren't right? Not really. I feel like just from a business perspective, like you said, it's a cash cow. I would really call it a blessing mm. that we both found something that we love, we're passionate about, and it's able to support our families, you know, four kids each, thank God. And when they do valuations, right? I'm sure you're familiar, yeah. like 3X, 4X, 5X is like really good. That's the, you take what you made in the past year and you multiply it by that amount. Some tech companies get 10X or whatever, you know, like, thank God it's been growing for 20 years now. So how do you take that valuation of, say you get 5X, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what else am I going to do with my time? Right. First of all. And second of all, that's this enjoyable. What else are you going to, what else are you going to find that we're having this much fun doing? Uh Yeah. It's very much the attitude of it's going well. We're loving it. Like why change? What if someone said, I'll give you 20X, you'll have full autonomy, you'll just get a slice of the pie, and you'll continue doing what you enjoy? Because there's always a number, right? You have to think, <laughs> but you you don't want to be bored. I guess it depends on yeah, the scenario. Yeah, I be. mean, is there a scenario, like, whatever, you could dream. But, right. like, it doesn't really exist in, in, in the venture right, capital right. world, you know? Yeah, no, I, I heard that recently from someone who said he was offered a certain amount of money for his business, you know, and let's yeah. say it was 2X. So let's say he would get $2 million for that business. Right. But then he was told, A, how much runway is that going to give you? So you don't have to work for five years, six years, 10 years. Right. Ultimately, you're going to be back to, you know, round one. You're going to have to start all over again with with something. You may not enjoy what you're about to do, and you're giving up a blessing, as you call it, that's providing cash ongoing for your family, you know, it has to be really good generation times two, three to give something like that up. I think we've seen blogs that have sold out and they lose some of that editorial control Mm. and people will say, that's a sellout They're you know, they're, they're shilling for this or that or whatever their corporate owners want. 
and it, do, it no longer feels as authentic and most of them have died out or, or no longer have the founder's voice and it's uh, a lot of them don't even exist anymore they got bought for, yeah. for a bunch of money and they don't even exist now and basically they're just kind of sucked dry after a few number of years and they lose their original intent yeah. so and yeah. also like if you ask my seven-year-old right now what he wants to do when he grows up he wants to be a dance deals poster <laughs> oh really that's awesome. <laughs> you know? i mean if, if he can get hired then... <laughs> you know um mr beast yeah sure so like he he talks that he got offered like a billion dollars right recently right. you saw yeah. that yeah, yeah for his business and he's like no this is growing this is amazing like why would i sell right you know? for those that so... don't know mr beast is a probably the most popular youtuber that creates really compelling 10 minute 15 minute videos that cost millions of dollars and he's fantastic at what he does so great. It's entertainment. I always said if he like went into educational entertainment, he'd blow it out of the water. Right. Um, but yeah, that 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 certainly certainly makes sense. A quick break from this week's episode to tell you about Infinity Land Services. If you pick up a Mishpacha magazine, you'll see their ad practically every week. You pick up your local paper, you'll see an ad for Infinity Land Services. And every time you listen to Kosher Money, you'll hear an ad from Infinity Land Services. Title without the story, right? If you have a real estate transaction, you need title insurance. Google it. It's actually pretty interesting. And Infinity Land Services, they have a team led by Mark Hershkowitz, and they do a fantastic job. I love their new campaign if you're listening on spotify or apple Podcasts, click over to our youtube channel you can actually see this episode in live and living color but you can also see a commercial detailing how you get title insurance without the drama without the story so look them up ilstitle.com click around their new website tell them your friends at kosher money sent you we love them we love you and now back to this week's episode Let's talk about the money that's made. I would imagine NDAs don't allow us to talk about credit card referrals, right? That's a big component. Credit cards, how many do each of you have? And <laughs> is it more or less than 600? <laughs> I mean, I have opened up many hundreds of credit cards for tens of millions of miles over the years. I think I've done as open as many as 24 of the same card up at a time. So that's 24 uh, of the same card. Yeah. Using just 24 different like web browsers under your under own my name. name. Yeah. And they're, they're cool with that. I, I mean, there was a point in time where that worked. Okay. And I used to do these Dan's deal seminars where, um, where'd we do them? Five towns. We did one here. We did one here in five towns. We did in Crown Heights a couple. Tina, Crown yeah. Heights, Miami, Like LA, guiding Chicago. people on working within the rules of what the credit card company is. Exactly. But trying to take advantage in, in a legal way. But I, I talk about some of the things like, like, like applying for 24 cards. And there were some other bloggers that were at the, uh, I think the Muncie one. And they, they shared some of the things that I talked about in the seminar, which I asked not to be shared online because these things will get killed very quickly. Oh. And so they got shut down. Those, those deals got shut down. And I'm like, you know, these seminars aren't, aren't going to work anymore like this if that's what's going to happen. So that was the end of that era. Why are people coming to the seminar? Because they, they want to make money or they want to legally figure out how to. I, I think it was a lot of beginners just want to know, like, what is this stuff? you know how do we take advantage of credit cards very you know a lot like so that. all the and seminars were uh, the seminars were about credit cards yeah. right okay it wasn't it was about, it was about and credit cards and travel and how to search for flights and how to search for mileage deals and it just kind of started from the beginning and walked people through the whole process 
and we didn't do it. We didn't charge anything. Just the, the actual locations would charge a nominal fee, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. We get the proceeds to, to pay for, yeah. for whatever hall. Exactly. Exactly. And so we just uh, wanted to connect with people in, in, in real life. It was fun. It was fun. There was a lot of stuff back then, like this applying for 24 credit cards at once that you couldn't publish online uh-huh. and that we did do in the seminars. And, you know, since a lot of it went out after the seminars, I kind of realized this isn't viable you know long term when you have a thousand people in a room it's tough to keep secrets i mean that should have been obvious but it's like posting something on whatsapp nowadays how (laughs) many credit cards do you have open like even though there may or may not be an annual fee how many active credit cards have you not closed that you have right now i probably have about 100 open credit cards at any given time yeah and you're paying annual fees no no so there's strategies to work around that you can downgrade cards with an annual fee to ones that don't have an annual fee Uh or you can you know close out the ones that have an annual fee or you could ask for a retention bonus to keep a card open that has an annual fee so there's all kinds of some stuff we could tell you off camera (laughs) no but like that's a full-time job right to even just ask for retention bonuses how do you how do you go about managing all that yeah i mean i have an excel spreadsheet with all the cards in it and when the annual fees come due but you can also just wait until you get that statement in the mail with the annual fee and then figure out you have about a month from that point to close the card or to downgrade the card or to ask for a retention bonus on the card to make it make sense to keep it or not. I mean, the reason to keep some of these cards is they have a lot of benefits. They might have free nights at hotels or they might come with uh, point bonuses for keeping them open or, or travel credit. There's a reason to keep that card open uh, and not downgrade it. But if the annual fee outweighs those benefits, then yeah, you need to downgrade that to a free card or, or close out the card. How much mail do you get? A, a lot. Day? A, a lot. lot, right? <laughs> we have a what? great mailman, though. He's okay. Awesome. He hates you, by the way. No, he loves no, me. No, he hates you. hates you. <laughs> he hates you. He has back problems because of you. That's the UPS driver. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the UPS. This Why, guy, do you this get a guy... lot of packages also? Sure. Where are you getting packages from? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, the the deals. U... The... <laughs> I mean, the UPS driver. You're not supposed to buy the deals. You just share the deals. Our UPS driver did want to kill us when we were doing the dollar coins, which was when the US Mint <laughs> was selling dollar coins at face value yeah. that you could charge in your credit card it was just when i don't we, think people understood what you just said all right we just, just repeat it one more time i actually looked last night because someone said oh <laughs> talk to him about the coins i'm like what are this you lasted for years i mean yeah. for years i was buying hundreds of thousands of dollars of dollar coins from the mint that they would ship i mean they were heavy and I'd get them at the front door of my apartment building and they'd be leaving a hundred thousand dollars of coins and we were driving some old Chevy Venture minivan that was falling apart. Bought at auction for $2,000. Yeah. And, and we have $100,000 of dollar coins that I'm then bringing back to deposit into my bank account. So you'd buy them on your credit card. You'd earn all the miles for the purchase. They'd ship it to you free of charge. And then I'd put it right into my checking account and pay off the credit card. Mm. And you would just keep churning through these dollar coins and earning millions of miles doing that's why that. we're in a recession right now <laughs> you, you single-handedly took down the fed that was 2008 <laughs> <laughs> the, the mint was told that they needed to get dollar coins out to the people and so they were shipping them free it was of like charge. a distribution network uh, for the mint that they would have had to pay for otherwise they're like every other country has dollar coins we're sick of having dollar bills and we need to replace every two years so we're going to get these into circulation. And of course, none of them got into circulation. I would literally deposit the sealed box at my local bank. I think they stopped 
opening the boxes at a certain oh, point. Oh, yeah. They, they, like, literally, you're like, here's a $100,000 deposit. Thanks. Have a good day. US like, what? Go- the U.S. government hates this guy. <laughs> pays, he pays his fair share of taxes, but... By the way, there's no taxes on credit card points. So that's a separate thing. <laughs> the, go- the government hates him for multiple reasons. Oh, the, wow. The, the teller would ask me, well, you know, what's going on? Is this money laundering? And I would explain the entire scheme from A to Z. And there's nothing illegal about it. Right, right. It's just it's just a way to get I'm like, this is how you can get to Hawaii in first class for free. She's like, I'm going to do this. And her manager was behind her like, no, you're not. <laughs> not here. Don't deposit them at our branch. <laughs> and it wasn't just him doing this. We posted about this on our website. It was probably Seaton Buckler back then. No, it was Dan's deals. It was Dan's deals. Yeah. And I mean, tons of readers were doing this. Right. And then after a few years, someone talked to the Wall Street Journal about it. And it made the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And the next day it was dead. Oh, no. So the slip it was good chips. while it lasted. Yeah. But you said there's nothing illegal, right? Like you were following no, the rules. Not at all. Right, yeah. right. So so what happens when you run into like halacha-based, right, price mistakes that comes up? Is is there a rabbi? Is there someone that you lean on and say, hey, here's the situation. What should I do? Yeah, absolutely. We have a Rabbi Chaikin in Cleveland who I often bounce ideas off of. And if he needs to refer me to someone else, right, then we'll do that. Yeah, price mistakes are... It's an interesting topic. It's come up many times over the years. Right. The, the biggest quandary of the price mistake is a lot of times you don't know whether it is a mistake or not. Sometimes it's just a way to get viral marketing going. Okay. So, and a lot of times that, that's happened. So like Vitero Airlines out of Norway had a, a price mistake. If you booked a ticket on United to Israel through them for 200 bucks, they wouldn't charge the fuel surcharge. And their own CFO posted this deal. He leaked it onto, some, onto a website, onto a forums, the travel forums. And, and those that are not a price mistake, sometimes, A, the company won't honor it. That's number one. Correct. Right? They, all, they, have, they have the option not to honor it, but oftentimes they do honor it and they gain new customers. And especially with airfare, for example, that there's a certain amount of tickets that spoil anyway. And that's the reason the whole frequent flyer mileage game exists is because there's so much spoilage with airline tickets. Uh-huh. And if they can get incremental revenue in that seat, that's great. Now, they don't want to lower the price of all the tickets, you know, permanently. They want to fill up those seats at premium levels. But if they can fill up seats that were going out empty at a nominal amount, and that's the reason why you can use miles for a flight at a fraction of the cost of the actual paid ticket. So my last minute flight to New York would have been $1,000 if I was paying cash, but I could use 6,000 Air Canada miles to fly here. If you wanted to convert your miles into dollars right now is that like how long would that even take you so i mean there's different ways of going about that so if you're talking about like you have points with chase and i have you know eight figures of points with chase right now that's over so that's over 10 million yeah eight yeah okay cool (laughs) yeah i can convert them to cash at one cent a point but i can i just flew to new york and i got you know over 10 cents a point. Right. So I don't necessarily want to do that. I could always do that in the future if I needed the cash, Uh but it's sitting there and, you know. Is spoilage something you think about on your own personal points? Like, do you you ever travel? You're like, I don't even want to travel right now, but it's Baltashkas and I got (laughs) to use the points. It's a waste. There are miles that expire. I don't invest time into those programs because I don't want to have to worry about spoilage. Mm -hmm. I feel that's like bank points versus airline miles, right? Yeah, and that's why I'll, I'll keep points with Amex, Citibank, Chase, Capital One, where as long as you have any active credit card, those points never expire. Versus if you transfer those points into Singapore Airlines, you could book an awesome suite from JFK to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I did that. And it was incredible to have this double suite on a plane and find first class for free for opening a credit card. 
but you don't want to have the miles sit at Singapore Airlines because they'll expire after a couple of years. Gotcha. And so you don't want to be forced to use them. So you just transfer them on demand from the bank to the airline. And then when you're ready to book that ticket, you book the ticket right away instead of having them expire at the airline. What's your message to people, especially young people that hear this and, you know, there's an allure here, right? Free travel, sign up bonuses, credit card points, and then... What happens is sometimes when you sign up, they demand that you, not demand, or part of the agreement is in order to capitalize on the points, you need to spend a certain amount. And, you know, it's not for everyone, especially if you don't have a reason to make those purchases, right? Making those purchases to get the points is probably going to backfire because you're going to have to pay that back. And, you know, I guess this is a two-part question. Number one is like, people say, oh, you're having Dan's deals on. Ask them, how do they operate knowing that there are people that A, take advantage of these deals recklessly? Like, is there a certain sense of guilt? And B, what's your message to those people that they shouldn't fall into that trap? Yeah, and I think every time we write about a beginner's guide to opening credit cards, which we've written a few times, we start with the word of warning. Like, if you're not going to be organized and if you're not going to stay on top of your spending, then don't start with it. Don't open up a credit card. Credit cards have to be treated as cash in your bank. And the second you open it, you have to set it to auto pay at the end of the month. And if you're the type of person that is not going to be spending within your means because, oh, hey, I have a high credit limit, don't open a credit card. That's stupid. And we've been saying that since we opened the site, that people should not do that. If you're not organized, if you're susceptible to bad spending habits, it's a terrible thing because the banks make a lot of money, right? Like banks are pretty, if you go into any city in America, the biggest building is going to be the bank building because they're making a lot of money from people overspending on credit cards. And that's why they're giving referral. And that's why if that's you're why giving able, away on a, on a card that has no annual fee, they're able to give away 90,000 points. You know, where does the math make sense? And it's, yes, it's because people will fall into that trap. And so before you go into it, before you start opening credit cards, you definitely need to be aware of that. And that's why, that's why we warn people. And that's why it's important to, to stay on top of things and be organized. But just to jump in, you know, we've been doing this for a while now and we get a lot of user feedback and we love it and we always listen to it. And I, I could show you over a thousand emails that we've gotten of people telling us, you know, we're able to stay in Colel for a few extra years. Thanks to the, you know, what you guys have taught us about credit cards. I just had someone email me that he loves what we post about credit cards and he had three families that he got out of debt based on what we taught him about credit cards. And so I feel like a lot of people might think that this blog all about credit cards is forcing people into debt, but I've never had a single letter of someone that said, we've been ruined by Dan's deals. Mm. Thank God. And people, it, it, people not, aren't shy to tell us things yeah, that we're doing no. wrong. Right, no, not no, not no. one person said, hey, my family's in ruins I've as a result of... I've never heard a story. Whether it's happened or not, I'm sure it has happened. Um, perhaps people know what went wrong in their own storyline. Mm -hmm. And if there's Without, an ad that's not snitch, I mean, people will email us within seconds. We'll know about any yeah. problem there might be. But we haven't heard any feedback like that. And that's true. So, you know, thank God, you know, right. If you did, if you did get an email like that from someone, maybe someone listening, like would that change potentially how you go about things, right? Everything's menashmaim anyway. So would you take it seriously? Like how would you react if, if someone did actually say, Hey, by the way, you know, there wasn't as strong of a disclaimer or I saw the disclaimer, but I went for it anyway, and you profited off it, and now my, you know, I have twelve thousand dollars and unexplained, you know. I mean, these stories are heartbreaking, right. right? First of all, like I, I feel it's 
it's terrible when you hear someone say a story like this. And, you know, I think coming on Kosher Money is a really good step, you know, for stuff like that and letting people know. And we've written blog posts in the past with like PSAs when there were like credit card farms (laughs) where people would give their social security number and get paid like they were ads in the Jewish magazines, get $5,000 or $10,000 instantly and you'd give them this your social so security bad. number and they would open up dozens of credit cards in your names and they left people a lot of times holding the bag with a lot of debt we'd write warnings about these things and to, and to watch out for that or people that these were, were people that were trying to get like referral money from credit cards by getting people's social security numbers and telling them guaranteed five thousand dollars a year and i mean first of all just it's so it sounds crazy like who would do that right but almost every single Jewish newspaper was running these ads for years. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we spoke so strongly against it and, and people were getting their credit scores ruined because the stories came out. These people weren't paying the annual fees. They, they were putting random charges on these people's cards. They weren't saying on top of the interest payments. It was was very reckless industry. And so we spoke out against them a lot. Wow. I have not seen those ads in a long time. And we've also, we've also talked about different stores that were charging people's credit card and then not and, and then not paying them back. There are all kinds of stuff we've written about over the years when there are issues. So we're not afraid to to write about if issues like that. And if someone would reach out to us, we definitely yeah write a post about you know things to be aware of, which we have we have done, and we we try to be responsible like that. My mom always says it's not a deal if you don't need it. <laughs> How does that play a role? Do you you know because a lot of it's like you know how many eight pot sets do I need, right? Sure. And I'm sure there are people out there at any given time can take advantage of that particular deal. But I guess, again, what is your message to those people that just because it's a deal, right? And you have to toe the line between saying, hey, we're sharing this, but we also don't want you to spend recklessly, right? If you don't need it, sure, you know, d- don't buy it. Uh, but there are many people that have seen your posts and have made purchases that they've needed and then there are purchases where it shows up in the in the in the thing and they're like okay it was 29.99 it's normally 112 but i got a massive deal should they be taking advantage of that and i think there's definitely a market of people that buy the deals to flip them like i did as a kid on ebay and that's a way to meet credit card spending without actually spending money is by getting a great deal where that could be then flipped afterwards. Yeah, I mentioned the there's a lot of people in the points, miles, travel industry mm-hmm. that were thinking I'd able to make a Parnas off of dance deals. And there's probably even more that have bought our deals over the years and opened up whole Amazon stores and businesses, eBay, et cetera, just based on that. Uh, Walmart had a deal uh, one month ago, a little bit a while ago. They had price mistakes all over the site and basically it was like clearance at local stores that if you put your zip code to that store you got that clearance pricing but they were mm. shipping nationwide oh so i ordered oh my god talking about the ups driver i had like 300 suitcases like in front of my house um at like 10 bucks a piece is like 150 suitcases um but i got to resell them and you know make a few thousand dollars We'll be right back to this week's episode with Dan and JJ. We got Shmuel Shiowitz in the house of Approved Funding, approvedfunding.com slash kosher money. Shmuel, credit cards. First of all, how many credit cards do you have? Not as many as you would think. Oh, I have really? like two, three top. That's okay, it. cool. So what should people be keeping in mind when they see that offer for the credit card? The thing that I'm seeing mostly is that people are going into the credit card process with the right 
idea. Mm -hmm. You should want to build your credit, which is very important, not just because you want to buy a house, because it relates to the best rates that you're going to get and the best options that you're going to get in the banking world. But you want to be very deliberate with the types of credit cards and the types of offers that you're looking into. And the rewards business has been amazing, both to the banks and to the consumers that benefit from it. So that's great. And we see a lot of people, many people maximize and capitalize and, and do very well with it. But it's important to be very mindful of those who are not necessarily paying attention. Bankrate.com just came out with a survey a couple of weeks ago where they said so many people, between 40 and 50%, depending on age, they don't even know what their APR is. So a lot of people are going into it, into getting a credit card where they end up carrying balances so that might not be the intent of those who are talking about rewards and all these perks that credit cards offer you. If you're going to pay back your credit card every single month, then that's one thought process. But for those who don't, I would ask the question, what is the best credit card for me? And are the perks and the rewards something I should be considering versus the APR and the credit card interest rate? So it's very important to be deliberate. There's tremendous opportunity, but also just be careful that a friend who through no fault of his own, he turned around and six to 12 months after starting with his credit card, he already forgot that he had accrued a $15,000 balance on his mm. credit card and he was just paying interest and he had $200,000 in the bank. But because you get into these promotions where you have to use it within a certain period of time, maybe that's one of the promotions, he ended up just forgetting about it. It was on auto pay. Doesn't happen with everybody, but I would say it's very important to be very deliberate with what you're doing. And if you get the right card and you get the right advice and you listen to podcasts like this, which give you the right guidance, you'll know where you can do very well and you'll know what to be mindful of. Right. Staying away or not going after an offer could be just as valuable as the actual offer. Um, awesome advice. If you have a question about credit cards, about your money, mortgage, thinking about refinancing, highly recommend reaching out to Shmuel Shiowitz. Again, approvedfunding.com slash kosher money. And now back to this week's episode. Let's talk about the World Series. You have millions of points and you got to throw out the first pitch in a World Series. How did that develop? And walk us through that experience. So I love using miles to, to fly around the world and I've done that and I've flown to every, uh, been to every continent and using miles. So that's awesome. But the sports experiences and I'm a major sports fanatic. My grandfather took me to games growing up all the time. So, uh, you know, as a kid, you always dream of getting called to the mound uh, to pitch game seven of the world series. Right. I mean, it's kind of better a, than that. Yeah. It's a dream. It's a pipe dream. I was never a great sports player. <laughs> But that doesn't mean I wasn't a fan. And so in 2016, Starwood Hotels was auctioning off the right to throw out the first pitch before Game 7 of the World Series in, uh, versus the, Cub, the Cubs versus the Indians, which is probably the greatest World Series game of all time. I mean, I wish... That it went to extras? Yeah, it did. With a rain delay, it went to extra innings and went back and forth. I mean, I wish it would have ended differently, but it was an amazing baseball A combined game. 180 years of World Series drought between yeah. the two teams. I mean, there was a lot of drama there. Uh, yeah, it went into... Didn't the Indians have the lead in extras at some point, or that was in the ninth? They tied it up. Oh, they, yeah. tied they tied it. it they tied up. it. Right. Wow. Davis had a home run. That so tied that it was up. the game you threw out the first pitch. Too? Yeah. So I threw. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> it was. 
<laughs> surreal. It was absolutely surreal. And so they're auctioning this off. And so I was, I, I spent a million sixty thousand Starwood points. What's the cash equivalent of that? You know, I think that, uh, what did Rovo write on ESPN? He wrote that Dan Elif, uh spent the equivalent of 30 nights at the St. Regis, New York to throw out the first pitch. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but who dreams of spending 30 nights at the St. Regis, New York? Every kid doesn't, no kid dreams of that. They dream of going out and being called up to the mound before game seven of the World Series. Well, so what is that, like $25,000, 30000 uh, 17000 maybe. That's not crazy. Back then. Yeah, you know, actually, they started after Starwood, was bought up by Marriott. They started MLB just started selling the right to throw out the first pitch, and it's right. for the past three years it sold for I think half a million dollars. Oh wow! So he so he spent seventeen thousand in points, right? This is talking about how you could get more value from points than you can right. just selling them. And mind you, those points couldn't just be monetized. They're not like Chase points where you can just click cash out at one cent a piece. There's no real way to monetize yeah. those right. points. So if you're talking about best redemptions ever, he got fifty cents per point because <laughs> it sells for five hundred thousand dollars. So did you it depends how you value the points, but yeah. <laughs> was there someone else that threw it out someone else bought it also? No, no, it was just me. Just you. Just me. And so we got to ring JJ and my grandfather, and my wife on the field. It was actually our anniversary, our eighth anniversary at the time. Um, so we all got to go out on the field and talk to the players and the manager for the game and, and throw out the pitch. Did they know then, what, why you were there? Uh, they it just was announced. Said, the it was, announcer. It was announced that I was a Starwood preferred guest member. And someone's like, what does that mean? I'm also a Starwood preferred guest <laughs> yeah, member. Right. I didn't get called to throw out the first pitch. We got second row seats right behind the dugout for the game. I mean, it was incredible. Those seats were selling for like 20 grand right before the yeah, game. Yeah, well, the seats themselves were selling for tens of thousands of dollars each. Yeah. So I was those seats but for that game. So you watched the game from the second row. Yeah, it, it was absurd. It that was, was, it was that made it all worth it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. That is amazing. So... Tell me a little bit about your adventures. You said you've been to seven continents. Is there any place you haven't been that you're like, <laughs> I always want to go to, you know, Gaza? Like, is there some... New Zealand? I, I do have to get to New Zealand. I actually had a ticket to go to New Zealand last night. Um, on the Fiji Airlines had a uh, mileage mistake where they opened up every single one of their flights for save reward miles. So I had business class booked to fly there from LA to Fiji last night. But you didn't go? My kid wound up acing this Hidona Mitzvahs competition that he's in. So he was a contestant on the game show last night. So the things we do for our kids. <laughs> so would you have gone, like with your wife, you would have gone or? Probably with a friend. With a friend. Yeah. And they won the competition. Is to spoiler alert. They haven't actually released the, uh, the stream of it. It's coming out next week, I think. But okay, won, we'll hold the so. episode until then. Yeah. But what would you have done? So it, you get to New Zealand and your hotel is, you're not paying any money right using points yeah absolutely and do you need dollars for that or you're like you're basically covering everything in points i mean back in the day when we got married hyatt had this promotion called faster free nights and for every two nights you'd spend at a hyatt you would get a free night any hyatt in the world and you'd get fifteen thousand united miles and you'd get hyatt credit and so we found a local hotel that would sell us rooms for 49 dollars and we'd go every single day and check into these rooms and then we flew around we the didn't world. even get the room just check in. Yeah, we just check in and just leave. Or sometimes we would spend the night. And then we'd fly around the world and stay in these Hyatts that cost $2,000 a night. So people in these marketing departments have to be fired. <laughs> you know? Or We're do a very or, small subset right. of the consumer Maybe base, that's it. Like, it they know that even if someone was to take advantage in the way that you legally are, they don't care because it hooks oh so many people into their point system yeah, and their I rewards. Mean, Wendy's cups? Yeah, those are fun. What's the Wendy's cup story? <laughs> they had on every Wendy's cup, 
gosh, this was must have been 2006. There was a little coupon to send into Airtran for frequent flyer miles. At some point, I would just go to Wendy's drive through and just buy cups off them and then send them into Airtran. And then I realized that if I had 100 Airtran credits, they would buy a flight anywhere in the world on any airline. So I'd have them book me a ticket on Continental. And then I'd cancel the Continental ticket for travel credit. And so I had tens of thousands of dollars of Continental travel credit. Basically buying, Wendy's cups. buying a stack of Wendy's cups from a local Wendy's for a few bucks, a few dollars and turning that into $10,000 in travel credits. On Continental, which never, you know, I've, I've still been, I've, I've been using them for years after that. That's wild. So A, even remembering what these deals are <laughs> gives me a headache in the sense that like, I think you have to be smart to recall all of this information, but B, the amount of anxiety a lot of people would have just like maneuvering your way through these deals and, and A, having, you, you have to be, willing to travel right if you don't like getting on a plane this is not for you but i still get such a thrill just going to the airport and oh really knowing that i'm traveling somewhere is always a thrill for totally me. v geeks <laughs> right oh wow okay so wendy's cups this and that but in 2023 can you can you still do these things or have the airlines you know gotten smarter do you ever wake up one day and you're like oh that's an interesting promotion <laughs> Um, yeah, it's still, there's still great deals out there. I mean, some of them in the past that have happened have just been like once in a lifetime opportunities, but they come up. I wrote about buying American miles by making a donation to charity. A couple just, I mean, it was crazy. They were selling, basically, if you made a donation, you got five times more miles than the donation was worth. So there's definitely opportunities where I would make, you know, I, so I, I donated, $10,000, why not? And you get a tax write-off and you get millions and millions of, of, of freaking flyer miles. So you donated $5,000 and got $50,000 worth of miles. Those promotions are still out there, you know? You just have to look. The first day you or two. Be, that... You have to be quick. It, don't, it only lasts for you know a few hours. That's really the key is being quick. Especially the airline price mistakes. Um, someone was telling me that they got a notification of a deal one morning. I think it was like the Air Canada deal, like $220 to Israel. And their whole, they got into work and the whole office was going crazy over the stands deals. And they were a reader of ours and they knew that you book now and ask questions later because you always have 24 hours to cancel it mm. for free. So meanwhile, he books for his entire family, you know, check dates later, whatever, make sure it's not like on a Yontif. And by the time everyone else in the office is like, oh, okay, I think I have dates that work. You know, I checked with everyone in my family. The deal was over. But this guy got for his entire family to Israel for $1,000. Hey, the most memorable deals, they don't last long. Like when we got back from the seminar we did in LA together, I just wanted to go to bed the next morning. But then I logged on and found that Delta had $50 first class tickets to anywhere in North America. And we wrote about it. And there were so many Dan Seals readers on those planes that they'd had to delay some of them because so many of the readers had strollers. And so the flights from JFK to LAX would be full of people with so many babies and car seats and strollers. But a lot of people got hooked on that. A lot of people went to Hawaii in the last That was like our first second class. really big that deal. Was, that was huge. Yeah. And like, I was, if I just went to sleep then it wasn't written about in any other blog. It was just, nobody would have gotten it. But right. Yeah, I'll just... Do you keep quiet that first hour to just book you and your entire family and then you say, okay, now we're going to release it? You know, it's so rare that I actually get to take advantage of these things because I'm writing about it and I'm finding new angles and finding new destinations that usually I don't even get to take advantage of it. But the Postmates do. 
The Postmates. <laughs> Postmates was awesome. Yeah. Postmates. I mean, it's just a last week. week. Yeah. A week ago, they had a 50% off code. Uber Eats bought Postmates, and they're trying to give a big push to relaunch the Postmates app. It's identical to Uber Eats, and they were giving 50% off all orders. And so the crazy part was it was working on gift cards, and it was working on alcohol, and it was working on butcher shops. Oh. So our readers were buying like $4,000 worth of alcohol for like $2,000. I mean, like bottles that never go on sale, you know, or I remember Patisse, the Boozery, Juice by Julie, you know, mm -hmm, stuff. Sure. So the one in Avenue M said he sold over $50,000 in gift cards. Wow. Last week, thanks to the deal we posted. And Postmates is like, wow, that's great. I mean, right. They, they're getting huge. Uh, instead of marketing dollars, they're using mm -hmm. it towards these incentives. And you think so. that'd be a price mistake that they're just giving out, you know, right. thousands of dollars of half price gift cards and alcohol. But yeah, it's marketing dollars for them. They're happy with that exposure. And so it's hard to tell that blurred line. What is a price mistake and what is viral marketing? Definitely the Fairmont deal was, was a fun one. I have nine Fairmont lifetime platinum accounts that I got. All right, let's rewind a bit. They were offering a account with that would be lifetime platinum status and a suite in San Francisco for $2,000. And it was on Living Social. And I wrote, I did some research into it. And I said, well, Living you, Social still around? No, this was 2012. Yeah, yeah. And so if people bought this deal, then every year for life, they would get a free hotel suite with $100 of credit at the hotel every year for life. So I wrote about this. And for every three deals, that you referred, you got one for free. So I referred 27 deals to Dan's Deals readers and uh, wound up with nine of these accounts that we use every year now to travel around nine uh, free. Have you ever spent a dollar in the last 10 years on, on <laughs> travel? The only thing I spend money on are my taxes. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, There's but... some really cool Airbnbs that you could book. Um, that's cash. I never have luck with Airbnb. I always get these places that look amazing and you get there and they look nothing like it or they smell bad or they... But you're paying cash for those you know, Airbnbs? Well, I have, I have had Airbnb credit. They had a Amex offer. I still have gift cards from that deal where you got half off Airbnb gift cards. And every time I try booking Airbnb, I have no luck. I, I really have poor luck with it. I stayed in a castle yeah. with my wife in Italy. All right, that's Like awesome. up on a hill mm -hmm. in the center of this old village. And it was one of the most memorable things I've ever done. I think what you guys need to do is bring me and my brother along and, and we'll <laughs> vlog it. We'll like, we'll do the video production. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. When I mean, are we going to New Zealand? New Zealand. What is that like a 20 hour? Uh... They fly nonstop from New York now. Oh, wow. That's it's wild. Long. Probably 17 hours. So you said one of your kids wants to be a, you know, a Dan's Deals forum Dan's Deals poster. poster, right? What conversations, right? Because your, your kids are growing up in a very unique environment, right? Yeah. Where Especially because we both work from home. You, you work from home, but, but, you know, in terms of like travel and, and having the ability to travel and not to say that the next generation will have that fortunate success, do you have to educate them differently than the common family and say, hey, this is kind of unique, you know? <laughs> When you get married, don't feel like you'll have, you know, these expectations or is that something you're not, you're not really You know, there have been about? times where I just, I book coach tickets for my kids in hopes that, you know, they can see what it's like not to, they don't need to fly first class every time in my mind. He's still in first. The kids are in coach. They get right. upgraded. They get upgraded every time <laughs> with my status and stuff. So it's, it's a, it's a challenge to keep them grounded. Yeah. And we work, it's definitely, we work on that to make sure. Right. 
that they understand the value of money and that this isn't normal. But I mean, at the same time, I, I, you know, I woke Rafi up one morning when there was a deal for free private jet membership, where if you had elite status with an airline or a million miles with an airline, you're able to match that to get a free private jet membership. And they were offering basically the dead legs of a private jet. So if they need, if they have a jet in Cleveland that they need to get to New York, they would offer free flights to get from Cleveland to New York. And so I would take Rafi and we'd go to a baseball game in Minneapolis and on a private jet. And he gets in the plane. He's like, well, which seat is ours? And it's like, well, whichever one you want, it's our oh jet. And it was free. And I need to try to convey that this isn't normal to be flying in these private jets to go to a baseball game on a Sunday. But yeah, that's definitely a challenge to, to keep them grounded. And that's, we work on that. What would you tell people when they're thinking about travel, right? Assuming they don't have a hundred credit cards and millions of points, what would you say is a manageable task slash achievement, something that they can do that they don't have to take away from their nine to five, doing this responsibly, assuming that they're able to sign up for a few credit cards, what can they do to that when they do go to Israel once every six years, maybe with a spouse or for a kid's bar mitzvah, that they can take advantage in a legal way that sets them up for success, right? Is it about just finding the right two or three credit cards and over time accumulating points? Are you just much better off waiting once every two years for something that will catapult you into first place? What would you do if you were recommending in a you know, travel concierge office to somebody that's sitting in front of you? Step number one, follow dansdeals.com. <laughs> There's plug. that plug. Free ad. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would definitely recommend staying on top of the credit card bonus offers because that's a great way to get a good chunk of miles for free. And if you diversify those and you have miles with several different banks, then you expand your opportunities of what's going to be available for when you want to travel. And you open up some hotel cards or, point, or points that, that transfer to hotels and you can get the whole vacation really covered by opening these credit cards, which is, which is crazy. So, right. you know, Dave Ramsey might say that you might not become a millionaire with frequent flyer miles, which is not true because there are so many businesses that we've spawned that have our mileage concierge and they offer it, and you know, they, they offer those services and they've done really well as businesses, but life is just more enjoyable when you're able to just hop onto a plane and, and create a vacation that doesn't cost anything. Yeah, now, obviously, the, you if, need to... If the litmus test for what you're doing life is if it's going to make you a millionaire, you're going to be living a very sad life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't just do things that make, you know, make me a millionaire. It doesn't make any sense. You can't judge everything you do like that. We've gotten so many messages from readers, uh, teachers in schools that could never go on a family vacation mm. and they start following dance deals and they opened up, you know, that one credit card earns like 1.5 bank points, you know, on every purchase. And after a few years of just regular living, they're all of a sudden able to take their whole family to Israel to see a, a grandparent that the kids have never met, you know, have never would have been able to meet otherwise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 10 years later, they talk about this vacation and it's so life-changing it's it's hard to remember like the individual stories of readers but there's so many like this. they haven't seen their grandparents in so many years and there's so many stories that come through every day yeah which is super gratifying to read someone told me that they went on a vacation with friends and the friends didn't know each other and uh two of them ended up getting married from that trip oh, that really? they took through dan's deals so if theoretically someone reached out to you and like touched your heart and, and, and said, hey, I've not met my grandmother in 28 years, the way your points are structured, are you theoretically physically able to 
book a trip for someone else or it has to be Dan Elif sitting in that first class seat. The airlines really frown on booking tickets for other people. They're really watching out if you're selling them and they shut accounts down for fraud. So I'm hesitant to usually do something like that. Uh -huh. There have been emergencies where I have done that, but it's it's definitely I try to shy away from that because of I don't want to risk the ire of some airline auditor out there. Uh-huh. So legally or through these rules if you have points, you're not allowed to sell them, right? Correct. In, in general, you can give them away, but not sell them. But they're always watching. And if you book too many tickets for other people, they're going to assume that you're, you're a broker. Selling. You're There's selling a these points. Between legal and just against the terms and conditions. Correct. Right? It's not illegal per se, it's, but it's against the terms of the program and they can shut down your account for that. So, so that's you don't want to make that a habit. So you're not, I'm never, I'm not going to go to damsdales.com and see like the ins and outs of selling points, right? No. That's not the business you're in. Correct. Yeah. Now those are definitely businesses and they're operating in a gray area where they're mm -hmm. not illegal. You're not going to jail for right. it. But they definitely are against the terms of the programs to sell those points. Got you. What would you recommend to business owners listening? What are a couple of tips that you can give them to set their businesses up for success? Assuming, you know, they have the same one to two credit cards. They may or may not know if it's the best fit for their business? Are we talking annual audit? What, what recommendations would you give to those people? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely just um, figuring out what's the most rewarding credit cards is, is definitely something valuable. I think back to your previous question about what to tell someone that just wants to get like that one vacation, what cards to use. It really depends. People have to decide what they want to get out of the credit cards mm -hmm. because a lot of people are obviously using debit cards and they're doing it because they don't even realize like you could just get a 2% cash back card. And for businesses spending millions of dollars, that is a huge You're margin. killing Dave Ramsey right now. <laughs> you know, he, he, there are people that are using debit cards because they don't want to fall trapped. They, they don't want to sure. be lured into But like this. my car got hit in Israel and had thousands of dollars of damage. If I didn't have a credit card that covered that, I'd be on the hook for that. Right. Or if I, you know, if I have anything that I need return protection for, something that a store has a final sale on. You buy it on a debit card, that's the final sale. Mm -hmm. And on a credit card, I can go to the credit card company and use the return protection benefit and return that item. Or if I need a war, my computer died after a year and Amex covered it in full. So you're losing out on, on a lot by, by shifting to a debit card. Now, I don't disagree with using a debit card if you're not principled enough to pay back your bill and use that auto pay to make sure you're not paying interest. Yeah, I think where Dave goes wrong is saying this is the rule for everybody, right? I think everyone has their own personal situation and they know themselves. And a lot of people do very, very well with credit cards or taking on good debt, right? I know he was on here and he was talking about the religious uh, aspect of it mm -hmm. and how as a good Christian, you can't, you can't have any debt. And in Judaism, we really don't believe that at all. It, it says that lending money is, you know, tantamount to giving charity. The highest form of. The highest form of charity because the person feels good about it. I remember that he, he mentioned there's a famous verse in Proverbs that yeah. it says that a borrower is a slave to a lender, mm -hmm. right? And the Mepharshim talk about that, Rabiniyana actually, and he's saying that the Iker of the Pasuk is going on the Pasuk following that one, where it talks about how a rich person is going to eventually fall and basically meet their demise if that's how they treat people. And it's uh -huh. basically saying not that you shouldn't borrow money necessarily, but that as a lender, you should be kind and generous with how you're doing it. And there's a really an amazing 
aspect in the Jewish world that there are so many organizations that give out interest-free loans interest-free loans to people right right and i mean just historically in judaism i think debt is a big part of it right when we weren't allowed to have jobs in europe we weren't allowed to own anything we were money exchangers that's what we did so uh i'm not encouraging debt here right or not repaying of course (laughs) obviously but you could take advantage of credit cards there's nothing per se wrong with it so Unless long you, you know yourself so responsibly exactly but going back to businesses yeah, yeah i mean just getting the right credit card figuring out do you want cash back do you want travel benefits and there are cards that will offer you both the ability to use that as cash back or to use that as uh, for travel yeah and we and we write about that uh right. you know which cards are, are the best for different people in different scenarios but it's important to do an audit on that right you Absolutely. shouldn't go five years with the same credit card Absolutely. Your interests and goals might change and also the the benefits. Yeah. And the benefits are constantly changing. There's always new products on the market. So definitely an annual audit of where your spending is going and and what you should be using is definitely in order. I think the wealthiest people have the most to gain by knowing the right cards to use. Yeah. I worked at a Pesach program at the Four Seasons Whistler a number of years ago. And there was someone asking questions about, you know, their personal credit card. And there's a business owner who had brought his whole extended family there. I said, I, I, I'm putting $100 million on my credit card this year, and it's, it's, it's a lot more critical for me to understand where I should be spending that than it is for you. <laughs> you live in Cleveland, I do. Dan, and JJ, you live in Miami, yes. right? We talk about, at, at least in the tri-state area, out-of-town living. <laughs> we call it tri-state. I don't know why we give Connecticut that much love, but Cleveland, right? For those that are listening, tell us a little bit about the Cleveland community. What would be your pitch to... <laughs> get people i know your wife's from kansas city so for her it was an easy sell very easy sell but for someone in jersey new york what is it about the cleveland community that you think people i think it's already been discovered i mean the school enrollment has doubled in the past few years because of the tuition vouchers that we have in ohio it's just a really great community it's a really warm welcoming community I find that obviously the winters are rough, but the summers are very nice. They're, they're a lot more mild and less humid than they are mm-hmm. in, in New York. Nobody has a country home in Cleveland. So we love it. We the really cost do. of living. You cost of living is, is much lower. Obviously, housing prices have climbed everywhere, but it's still, it's, it's, so, it's like a joke seeing the housing prices in Cleveland versus any other major Jewish community. It's uh-huh. a super safe community. It's, uh, and it's just been rapidly expanding as people have discovered, like, why am I in this rat race trying to afford these homes that I can't afford or apartments I can't afford? And uh, that's isn't contributed Be- to the growth of it. Beachwood is the city where a lot of the Orthodox Jews live in Cleveland. And isn't it like the second highest concentration of Jews of any city in America? Yeah. After it's, like uh, Yale? Yeah, it's like a little shtetl. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there a large Chabad community in Cleveland? Um, no, the Chabad community is not too large. Um, there's a lot of modern Orthodox Shivish communities are very large, though. What about kosher food? How many supermarkets? You guys have Heinen's? Yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got, they opened up a, a Grove kosher market uh, recently. Oh, they did. Um, but I mean, Unger is just the classic. Their donuts are second to that. <laughs> That's all I need is the Unger's bakery. Wait, yeah, best sales pitch for Cleveland of all time. Come try Unger's Donuts. <laughs> but we opened up a uh, Mendel's and Kansas City. they're 25 cents uh, a piece. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> oh, there's I'm, a seeing these, I'm seeing these $10 donuts here. I'm like, what is that? And I tried them. They're like, the Unger's $2 donut is way better than the $10 donut you're buying in New York. I actually, I'm in the supermarket marketing business. So my partner and I, we flew out to Cleveland to meet, I think it was Tom Heinen. And he gave us a tour of the Heinen's in the Jewish University Heights. Yeah. And then I think there's like a 
butcher shop right sure. across the street. There's a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, and then we took a drive over to the kosher supermarket there. And as we pulled in, so we were in the back of his car. He was just driving us mm-hmm. around, showing. He backed into, like, as he was pulling out of his spot, he backed into, like, a woman's station wagon. Uh-huh. And he was, like, super apologetic. I don't remember whose fault it was, but he's like, no, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. And she didn't know. I mean, a couple of, uh, like, from Jews got out of the car. So, mm. she, you know, she didn't, you know, she's, he's like, oh, he's, like, striking up a conversation. Oh, you shop here. What do you think about Heinen's? You know, and, like, they're going back and forth. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm Tom Heinen. She's like, eh. <laughs> she, she looks up. It's like you, what? You, what are you doing in this? You know, like it just didn't make any sense. But um, he was uh, super hospitable. And um, did you make it to uh, Mendel's Casey Barbecue and you're right there? No, I don't is know if it was. A... Is it re- recently? It recently? Is a re- yeah, recent, yeah, we recently, were there yeah. about three, four years ago. Okay. Um, but he was showing us because in that Heinen's, I think there was like a whole room dedicated to yeah. kosher, kosher, and he wanted to hear from the Jewish community to see what they can improve on. So that was interesting. And, and JJ, you're in Miami? Surfside. Surfside. Okay. What's the, what's the pitch to um, New Yorkers, you know, Republicans? <laughs> what should they know about the Miami community? I don't think Surfside needs any pitch. <laughs> okay. If you walk down Harding Avenue in the winter, it looks like Barra Park nowadays. So uh, Really? Yeah. I mean, that's just because they're all vacationing there. Sure. But yeah, it's crazy to see how much Florida has grown. Yeah, I mean, my house price has tripled. I bought it before COVID, and it's uh-huh. basically tripled since wow. then. Um, you bought it on points. You bought it on points. <laughs> I actually did get a pricing stick on it, but whatever. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> Who buys a house on a price mistake? Dan, did you know about the, this? The lot size was listed at like uh, 9,000 or whatever. And the yeah. surveyor came out and he's like, you have a 17,000 square foot lot. Oh my <laughs> I'm goodness. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> this guy's born on Cyber Monday. That boy, that guy bought a house on a price mistake. Yeah, it's just in the stars, you know? I think if we try to replicate what you guys have done, we can't. It's in your blood. We'll be right back to this week's episode, but first, a message from Kolel Chabad. The key to survival for many families, especially those without a father, is the ability of the mother to hold down a job. And that's significant, both for economic reasons and as a matter of personal dignity and pride. But without proper daycare for infants and the preschoolers, employment for struggling moms would be impossible. And the most important factor in such daycare is peace of mind. Mothers feeling secure that their children are properly being taken care of and the boundless love nutritional hot nutritional or nutritionist hot meals. And Kol Chabad has over a dozen daycare centers working with the moms and they accept children. They don't look at background affiliation, degree of religious observance. The sole criteria is need. So when these moms need a place to turn for free daycare center, they turn to Kol Chabad. And where does Kol Chabad turn? They turn to us. They turn to people like you who can supply them with much needed dollars, shekels that go a long way in giving that peace of mind to these moms who need to hold down a job. And Kol Chabad provides those meals, the shelter, the care, the teachers for those infants, for those preschoolers, for those toddlers. And you get the drill. You understand it. We've done this over and over and over, and we're going to try to hit home on different things, so many different things that Kol Chabad does. So if you can give from the bottom of your heart, please click the link in the show notes, kolchabad.org slash kosher money. Every dollar goes a long way and they need it badly. So thank you so much. Thank you to all those that have given, those who have given recurring donations. 
We cannot thank you enough. We see you. We thank you. And now back to this week's episode. ChatGPT, right? It's taken over and they just released ChatGPT4. Sure. And there was this guy that said on Twitter, um, I'm get, telling Ch the robot, I have $100 and I want to make as much money as quickly as I possibly can. Nothing illegal, no manual labor. And they said, okay, you're going to start a blog. It's going to be called uh, something to do with eco-friendly fines. And you're going to build that out and you're going to make affiliate commission. So he's like, okay, great. He's like, okay, I need a URL. So they said, purchase ecofriendlyfines.com. He's like, it's 900 bucks. I, they're like, okay, greengadgetguru.com. <sighs> so he said, okay, I bought it, $8. What next? And the robot was basically giving him a game plan. Yeah of how to build out this business at very low cost. And at some point, hundreds of thousands of people were intrigued by the, the, the storyline, and he was showing screenshots of what the robot was saying. So after day one, he said, okay, I've spent $36, I bought the domain, and, and I created this website, and the logo was created using Midjourney, which is another AI solution for imagery. And he's like, okay, stay tuned for day two. Everybody had about a million views this tweet. Right. So I replied to him and I said, I'll buy the entire company from you for $125. So he's like, let me ask the robot. Robot says, no, no deal. It's, it's, <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll buy it for $200. So the robot says, no, but we'll sell it for $400. That will be a good return on your investment. I said, I'm not buying it for $400, but I'll buy a 25% stake in greengadgetguru.com for $100. Robot said, deal. <laughs> All of a sudden, people saw that. So at this point, it had over a million views, this initial tweet. So people are following along. Dozens of people reached out wanting to invest. At right. some point, someone gave $500 for 1% in this website, <laughs> which he has given to the overlords to build out. Right. It got, I think the initial tweet had 16 million views. He got about $7,000 in investment. He now hired, he's like on day six or seven, yeah. he hired two people from that, using that money. Mm -hmm. But again, every decision is made by the robot. Right. And he, he messaged me. He's like, you made a really good investment. I said, he's like, by the way, are you selling secondary shares? I said, no, I'm believing in the robot. I'm, stick, I'm, I'm sticking to it. Did you get the 25%? Yeah, I sent him a Venmo right away initially before anyone else did it. Amazing. I got 25% in greengadgetguru.com. And he now has a content writer, and then he has a marketer that's working on it. He has the money from the investments to fund the idea. Right. And he was on CNN the next day. So I don't know how to tell you guys this. I, for one, welcome our new ChatGPT <laughs> overlords. <laughs> I will uh, be, uh, if you see greengadgetguru.com surplanting um, Dan's deals at some point, I don't want you to think I took advice. This happened last week. Um, so it's just crazy to think that you can actually build out um, a business. Oh, I messaged him. I said, what's the company worth? He said, it's over half a million dollars right now. <laughs> but I mean, that's on paper. And then it's obviously it has to yield some sort of return. But it's just cool to think that if there are those listening and think that they need a tremendous amount of capital to get started in a business what, of, of any kind right now, we're living in the future, right? Like, I don't know if you guys, have you used it at all for your own business? And we haven't, we haven't used it to create posts. And I know some bloggers are using OpenAI to, to create content in a post. We haven't, we haven't done that yet. Not yet, no. not yet. But it's it just crazy to think, I, I never thought we'd be in a future 
like this. I um, have tried asking it some questions, and it says with such confidence the wrong answer that uh, I'm always blown away by how confident it is in that completely wrong answer about any subject that I'm that I'm an expert it's the in. The same as cable news, right? I mean, that's the Gelman amnesia effect, right? That if uh, you read the newspaper and it's about a subject that you're an expert in, and it's complete nonsense, and you turn the page and you read the subject on any other topic, and it's, oh well, that that seems logical, or that's you believe what it says on the next page when you know that the previous page was something that you're an expert in, and it was absolute nonsense. Right. Be cautious. Be cautious with what you read, but realize that there's a, a lot of power out there. I mean, you guys are a reflection of that, that you don't need to be a massive team to churn out a content, but be turning into a business that you're calling a blessing. So. And we both still manage to travel while we're, you know, while we're working. So either of us can, can do it at any time and, and travel places. I mean, I, when I was in Antarctica, I mean, oh, you were, he just, JJ just told me he had a, uh, <laughs> he had a hundred. Is there Chabad there? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we opened it. We printed a Tanya while we were on oh, our really? way. To, our boat got diverted from Antarctica to the Falcon Islands, where there has never print a, been a Tanya that's been printed. So there's Chabad houses across the world. The first thing they do is they print a Tanya in a uh. new place. We found ourselves in this island where no, you know, there's one Jew living there, and we printed a, uh, we printed the altar of his. Uh, that's awesome. Tanya there. Antarctica. It just reminded me of like what the Bel Shem Tov said that wherever you find yourself is because Hashem put you there. And so when, when I'm traveling to these crazy places, whether it's the North Pole or Palau or Antarctica or someplace where I don't even know if there's a, ever been a Jew there before, we think that it's our job to, to do something special in this place, to, whether it's just to make a bracha or to learn something. We did a CM on a, you know, on an Antarctica island. That's awesome. So it's just to uh, spread a little Yiddishkeit and uh, you never know what, what's the reason why, why you were sent there. Yeah. Awesome. Is there a particular email address if someone has a follow-up question? Should they just give up and not send it? Um, should they just go to Dansdales and hit the contact tab? I mean, Dan at Dansdales.com or JJ at Dansdales.com. Yeah. Okay, but cool. I mean, going on the forum, so that's forums.dansdales.com is, is great because you can crowdsource answers to anything. Mm -hmm. It's such an awesome community. It's and it's, yeah, it's like a family, you know, it is like a family and it's really a great way to crowdsource any ideas, any business idea, any travel, any credit card questions. It's such a great way to crowdsource and get so many smart people jamming in on any question you have. I'll join today. Yeah. You uh, achieved what you wanted to. You <laughs> Finally. One subscriber. We got Ellie. <laughs> um, but thanks so much for coming in. I know you guys came in uh, special for this. You flew in on your uh, Beanie Baby uh, <laughs> life-saving fund. So we appreciate that and uh, looking forward to uh, more conversations in the future. Sounds good. Thank you. Talk soon. And there you have it. That is the episode with Dan and JJ. Really happy they were able to make it in. They managed to find a flight and they scraped together some dollars to make it a reality. But in all seriousness, we appreciate them. If you're looking for an amazing deal, this is not an ad. Check out dansdeals.com and save responsibly. I like that tagline for them. Save responsibly. Thank you to our friends at Living Smarter Jewish. LivingSmarterJewish.org is a website that will help you find a financial advisor, help you with financial coaching, and so much more. So be sure to check it out. They have a lot of great resources. If you have children and you want their school to have a curriculum helping them with financial literacy, reach out to Living Smarter Jewish. Um, so many people have reached out, all sorts of things. And if they don't have an answer for you, they might have 
someone who could have the answer for you. Um, thank you to our friends at Mishpacha. They're writing up uh, previous episodes, and something tells me they might want to write this one up as well. So pick up a fresh magazine, Mishpacha magazine, or visit mishpacha.com, and you can read and watch bonus content to many of our episodes. The catalog is growing. Thank you to our sponsors, Infinity Land Services, approvedfunding.com slash kosher money, and our friends at Kolel Chabad, saving the world one person at a time. Thank you to my brother Yako for producing this week's episode as he does every episode. Thank you to our editors. Be sure to check out Living Lachaim on YouTube. There's so many shows. We're dropping multiple shows a week, a week, a week, a week. And more is on the way. Thank you to our friends at... And I didn't even say an organization because you could be that organization. If you want to sponsor an episode of Living L'Chaim, you know, all, all the different shows, reach out to my bro. He's high at livinglachaim.com. Many sponsorship opportunities. We're doing events. We have videos. We have podcasts. We have blimps. We have many different advertising opportunities. You know what we need, Yaakov? We need those sign flippers on the corner. Yeah, we can get those sign flippers. If you want to sponsor a sign flipper, reach out. We'll make a gorgeous sign, and they'll flip all day, every day, on the corner of your choice. Not including Shabbos. This rant has gone on far too long. Peace out. Until next time, keep your money kosher. I'm Ellie Langer, and I'm leaving the studio. Bye-bye. Living L'Chaim.